0: Greetings, I'm Bishop Chester Wright and this is lesson five in the series teaching on the subject of the voice of God in the church today. The last lesson we talked about how to discern the voice of God and part of that uh, uh, lesson we talked about the different voices other than God that could be speaking to us, the fact that we needed uh, to be able to Quiet or eliminate those voices so the voice of God would be what we would hear. God is not going to speak louder so he can speak over the voices that we are allowing uh, access to us and even uh, residence in us, whether it's our flesh, our will, uh, society, the world, uh, even family or the devil or whoever. He is not going to speak over those voices. If I want to hear the voice of God, they've got to be quiet. So in this particular lesson, we're going to talk about one of those things that is so often misunderstood and misapplied uh, in purpose and whatever. So that we can understand the benefit of fasting. What is the purpose of fasting biblically? Do we, do we earn something from God because we go without food? Brother Billy Cole said to me years ago, he said, a lot of folks believe in fasting and prayer. I believe in feasting and believing. Well, I understood the point he made. I knew he fasted. But the point being, there are people who fast and their, their conscious or their conscious or subconscious motive is somehow to, obligate God to do what they want him to do, because look at what it's costing me. Look at the price I'm paying. Well, let me tell you something. Before this lesson's over with, I pray God completely delivers you from that whole idea that fasting has anything to do with that. Fasting, first and foremost, is so I can know the voice of God better by the voices of my flesh and my will being silenced. And you can't do that sometimes in, a, in missing a meal every day, or, I mean a meal every uh, one day a week. Uh, those kind of fasts may be good for maintenance purposes. But when you're really needing to hear the voice of God, because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, the rhema of God, the voice of God, and you can't hear all of that, then you need to be able, as Jesus said, to fast and pray. These things cometh about by prayer and fasting. He did not mean that by fasting and prayer I somehow was going to move into this super spiritual realm. God have mercy on us. That we're going to move into this super spiritual realm where I move ahead of everybody that doesn't fast. uh, So I can hear the voice of God and things are going to happen because I fasted. I prayed. No, no, that is not it. That is not it. That's not the purpose of fasting. It's not, the pur- it's not the purpose of fasting. Because when the disciples couldn't cast out the young man's the demons, and the father said, brought the boy to Jesus, said, your disciples couldn't cast them out. And he said, well, these things, these can only come out by prayer and fasting. What he meant was that for my faith to work, if I've got too many voices in there that's hindering my my ability to hear the voice of God, and even if I hear the voice of God, but my mind is divided, then my faith's not going to work. So fasting doesn't change God. It doesn't affect God. Fasting changes me. And how does it change me? It quiets those things in me by the grace of God that is competing with the voice of God in my life. And scripturally, there is no other purpose for fasting. Oh, we need to fast for discipline. (sighs) Yeah, yeah, okay. So you pray for discipline, fast for discipline, while I walk in the Spirit. No problem. And if the Lord wants me to miss a meal, I'll miss every meal he tells me to miss. Because if he tells me, he's going to empower me to do it. And I'm going to go forward with it. Because he knows that my ability to hear his voice needs to be tweaked. Not affecting his voice, but affecting all those things that I may have subtly allowed. Subtly allowed subconsciously, without making a conscious decision, I let them creep up on me and didn't, wasn't aware consciously of them and didn't do anything about them. So <clears throat> we're going to talk about fasting, what fasting does as far as our ability to hear the voice of God. Jesus fasted. Nothing else needs to be said to prove it's legitimate and it's value. Lesson over. No, 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 no. But technically we could. If Jesus fasted, we all need to fast. But why did Jesus fast? Was he trying to obligate the Father? Was he trying to get more spiritual? Is that why he fasted? No. No. And we're supposed to fast for the same reasons he fasted. He didn't go into the wilderness to fast so he could... Put in 40 days and be able to brag to everybody he did a 40-day fast. Are you kidding me? He didn't even get hungry for 40 days. He fasted 40 days that afterward he was hungry. And he was tempted to the devil after the 40 days. What was he doing those 40 days? Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience to the things which he suffered. And that word suffer literally means... Impressions. Look it up. That's what Strong says it means. He learned obedience to what the man was experiencing the God inside of him. Say that vessel had to become yielded to the God within him. Otherwise, it wasn't human. And if that body wasn't human, it had... Has no ability to be our sacrifice. Cueing that a little bit. Psalm 69, 9 through 10 says, For the zeal of thine house has eaten me up. The reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach. Psalms 35, 13. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer returned into my own bosom. I I had to do this to get focused. I had to do that. Jesus, When Jesus was asked why his disciples did not fast, when they traveled with him, they didn't fast. And there's no evidence that I know of that Jesus fasted after he left the wilderness. Because his disciples didn't fast, and if he was fasting, wouldn't they have been fasting with him during that three years plus? And they said, why didn't he fast? Because why should they fast when the bridegroom's with them? But when he's gone, they'll fast. Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast. Not if you fast, when you fast. The question is this: Do I initiate the fasting? <clears throat> do I set the time i 'm going to fast seven days, yeah,, Oof. yeah, so you you gut your way through seven days, and as soon as you fast that time you set, you just start feeding your face with everything you can stuff into it. <clears throat> what did you accomplish? <clears throat> Nothing. I was told a story. I don't know it firsthand because I didn't know him firsthand. But I was told a story. I believe it was about Brother Andrew Urshan. Uh, I believe it was. But it was one of our great pioneers. That when he would fast, he wasn't married at the time, I guess. And so... uh, he would travel, he would stay with people in homes because that's the way they did it for years, even in my childhood. You didn't put the preacher up in a house, I mean in a hotel, he stayed in somebody's house. That if he was fasting, God had him on a fast. If he smelled food being cooked and wanted to eat it, he'd add another week. That until he fasted to the point, That he didn't want food when it was cooked. He kept fasting. Because he felt like his appetites weren't under control. He wasn't trying to earn anything. He was trying to quiet the voices of the appetites. Now I'm not saying you and I should do that. I'm only saying that's what I was told he did. Well you know. The less voices I hear. The, the the clearer the voice of the lord comes and the more confidence i hear that i have that i'm hearing the voice of the lord then the greater my faith is because faith comes by hearing hearing by the rhema of god so as jesus said if i can not doubt not waver i can have confidence that what i've spoken which I believe is a rhema of God given to me that I'm speaking, that it's going to happen. Fasting sharpens the focus of our prayers because it takes food out of the equation. Daniel 9 and 3 says, I set my face unto the Lord to seek my prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Fasting complements prayers of dedication, recommitment, etc. Joel chapter 2, verse 12 Therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning and rend your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind, even a meat offering and drink offering. Under the Lord your God. These seasons or times of dedication and recommitment are the only acceptable reason for abstaining from conjugal marital responsibilities. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Now, concerning the things where you wrote, a, you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, To avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. And let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence. And likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time. That ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again that ye may, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. Now, I'm going to tell you what right now. If there's some verses in the Bible that are not liked and not, not understood willingly, we don't want to understand them. It's right here. I know men who are so spiritual. That on their wedding night, they wouldn't even get in bed with their wife and consummate the marriage without having hours of prayer and repentance for the thoughts they were having before they could do that. No offense, but I I, that ain't spirituality, and I don't ever want to be that spiritual. He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. And why I've got to spend time on my wedding night on the floor praying, Before I could even get in bed with my wife. Was not God? It was the adversary tormenting somebody. That didn't even know the difference between the voice of God and the voice of the devil. But going the other way here. I have two saviors. Jesus and Alice. And I need both of them. In different ways of course. But I need them both. But the scripture says that to withhold myself from her is defrauding her. Her withholding herself from me is defrauding me because it's better to marry than it is to burn. Well, what if you're what if you're married and burning because the spiritual one of the spiritual purposes of marriage is not being fulfilled? Oh, it's just carnal. It's just lust. No, it's not. It's staying saved. And if there's Love and affection that goes along with it on top of that. All the better. But God gave us needs and created us with needs. And if those needs aren't met, we end up being tempted. Lest Satan tempt you for your incontinency. So if you're going to fast and you're quieting down the voices... That are in hindering your ability to hear the voice of God. That's <laughs> one voice. that got to be quieted. And it's not. If you're going to quiet it through fasting. That means you don't participate during fasting. But you only have a right to fast. And abstain from one another. If it's by consent. I think I'm going to fast for the next 100 years. And your wife says. No I don't think you are. Oh but God says. No. Nah. God may have said it, but he gave me the right to to say, no way, not happening. Okay, not 100 years. How about 100 hours? How about one hour? If it's fasting, (sighs) and we come up with all kinds of different ways to fast. God bless it, I've tried them all. (sighs) I can't do this and accomplish the purpose of fasting when it requires this if this, doing this, allows the voice to continue to confuse and cloud the voice of God. Whatever voice that is. So if I'm trying to, and if God says do it that way, Daniel fast or whatever, Daniel did it, okay, whatever, great. You know, we've done t- media fast, technology fast. Well, I, there's something valid about that for sure. Because for some of some, <laughs> technology, they're more faithful to their technology than they are their mate. It's easy to do if you're not careful. And you can be doing good stuff on the Internet, not bad stuff. And get so caught up in it, you neglect your spouse. And if I'm going to fast, I might need to just as much fast from the media as I do from being, my, being conjugally involved with my wife or with your husband. But the bottom line here that says this, it can only be with consent. And if God spoke to you to fast, and your fast is including... Abstaining from marital intimacy. If your wife doesn't agree or your husband doesn't agree, uh, God's going to, God, God is going to respect the word of your husband or your wife. Because let me tell you something in 50 years of, almost 50 years, well, over 50 years of ministry, and coming up this September, of oh, 49 years of pastoring. I have seen people, male and female, use spirituality as the excuse to deny the rights of their mate. God, God did it. Well, if it was God and your mate disagrees, then you're going to submit to the word of God and say, okay. But if you get all huffy, but God told me, yes, and God says right here, that if I don't agree, you don't do it. (laughs) That makes fasting a little bit different than prayer, doesn't it? Paul declared that his ministry was marked by frequent fastings. Of course, he was single, wasn't he? (laughs) But he spent much time not earning something from God. Not trying to deserve something from God. We're not, uh, what is the word, uh, no, those who spiritually uh, believe they were earning something by the pain they inflicted on themselves. No, we're not that. Fasting is not hungering. Paul hungered and Paul fasted. Hungering is when you're, you would eat but you got no food. Fasting is when you've got food but you choose not to eat. Paul went through both. And he didn't equate the two. He didn't say, well, I don't have any food, so I guess I'll fast. No, God called it hungering. Because you can't choose not to eat when you don't have any food to eat. Next. Fasting coupled with a recommitted prayer takes the one who is dedicating to a new level of faith. How? Because fasting helps to quiet the voice of flesh and human will, thus enabling the conduit to hear the voice of God more clearly. Now, uh, (laughs) you're taken to the new level of faith not because you missed meals. You're taken to the new level of faith because you're more tuned into the voice of the Spirit and it's the voice of the Spirit speaking Raymond to us that brings faith about. That's so important to get. Because here's the problem if you are fasting without praying, you are dieting. That's it. I hope you lose some weight because that's the only benefit you're getting out of it. Well, I'm fasting, but I got to work. Nah. No, I can keep myself in an attitude of prayer on my job all day long, even if people don't even know I'm praying, if I'm fasting. But prayer can be prayer without being coupled to fasting. But fasting cannot be biblical fasting that God agrees with or approves of unless it's coupled with prayer. Why? Because if the purpose of fasting is to quiet those voices of my flesh, my will, or any other thing that I've been subjected to or that I have uh, uh, have lost some of my uh, God-given strength to resist those things, whatever they are. If my purpose is to quiet those so I can hear the voice of God, then how am I going to hear the voice of God if I'm not praying? So, fasting is supposed to be a partner of prayer in order to help me more clearly hear the voice of God and to become more spiritually submitted to the voice of God. So, if I'm fasting, but I'm not praying, then I'm totally missing the purpose of prayer, of, excuse me, of fasting. And about the only benefit you're going to get is. Losing weight. Now, I don't know about you, but when I've done that, whatever weight I lost, I gained it back in a day or two because when I gutted my way through those fasts where I wasn't really praying like I needed to, but buddy, I'm going to finish this seven days. I need to for my own benefit to know that I can do this. Well, I did it. And the whole time I'm thinking about how good this would taste and that would taste. And I know how bad off I was if the first thing, st- things I start eating when I come off the fast, it's not stuff I would eat if I, w- if it was the last meal on earth, just about. I'm suddenly eating stuff I don't even normally eat and don't really care about. But during that fast, it got to looking really, really good to me. I had that happen to me. <laughs> We were doing a forty day Daniel fast, forty days, and uh, there were things we weren 't eating and things we were eating whatever and I got so hungry on that fast we were doing dairy for whatever reason i don 't remember and it 's don 't judge it it 's not your business, whatever you do what you do it 's what we were doing we 've done them all kinds of different ways, but on this fast, I went so long without meat. That I actually, actually, started really liking cottage cheese, and I hated cottage cheese. <laughs> I liked it because on that fast, I began to fantasize about eating cottage cheese, and that lasted a couple of years till I came to myself and quit eating cottage cheese. All because of what I was doing, I was trying to earn something. Kind of earn it. So Matthew 17, 21 says, Howbeit this, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Mark nine twenty nine, and He said, and This kind come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. You may find it. I don't know where it's at off the top of my head sitting here. The Holy Ghost is quickening it to me. But I do not believe you'll find prayer and fasting listed without prayer being listed first. There are some verses that talk about fasting. But the implication is that you're also praying with that fasting. That's why Jesus warned against standing on street corners with long face and not shaving and not bathing because you're fasting. Well, you're obviously not praying doing that. He said, you got your reward. Everybody knows you're fasting. They're also avoiding you because they can't stand the smell of your breath. Or your body odor. I'm fasting, smell me. Right. (laughs) Finally, our motive for fasting is extremely important to the Father. This is going to be a little bit more involved as a part of this lesson. Please allow me to comment within the text of each of the following verses on fasting. The first 12 verses of Isaiah 58 is the fast that God accepts. Isaiah 58, 1. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Note, this word from God was for the purpose of showing Israel their sins. Next, yet the next verse is shocking in this context. Yet they seek me daily and delight like to know my ways. Way, Whoa, ho, whoa. My people are transgressing, transgressing, yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook the ordinance of their God. They ask me of the ordinance of justice. They delight in approaching to me. What? Verse 3 will tell us whose opinion was being expressed in verse 2. It wasn't God's opinion. They considered that they sought him daily. They considered that they delighted to know his ways. They considered they were a righteous nation. And that they forsook not the ordinance of their God. They considered that. But the next verse tells a story. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not. Wherefore have we afflicted our soul and thou takest no knowledge? I know people that have fasted 40 days and backslid because they were sure God was going to fix this and that and the other and give them this and that and the other, and He did none of that, and they were so disillusioned after they had fasted 40 days, they just walked away. Boy, they proved really what was going on there, didn't they? I know some that didn't walk away visibly. They backed away spiritually. Well, if this kind of commitment isn't going to get it done, I'm just going to accept normalcy like everybody else. Well, not everybody's accepting that normalcy. We're just trying to do it scripturally. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul? Now take it so knowledge. Behold, in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. They were in the business of attempting to earn something from God by what they were doing for God. This is the spirit of Cain. God rejected it the first time when it was Cain, and he's rejecting it in this text, and he's still rejecting it today. The last sentence is the revealer. They were fasting, but fully participating in the pleasures of their lives and were focused on their own labors naturally and spiritually. They were going without food and expected God to be impressed. They claimed that they were afflicting their souls. But the next sentence proves their lack of focus and commitment to God in their fast. Even at best, they were not fasting. They were just participating in some kind of discipline. When we go without food and do all the normal things of our day, we are not fasting. Boy, is that making it difficult for some of us in this day and time. That doesn't mean you don't go to work, I guess. But as much of your normal day, you put it aside. So fasting isn't just putting aside your food. It's focusing on God. Again, fasting isn't just going without food. For it to be fasting, I'm not doing those things that distract my focus from God. Why? Because I'm fasting to put away those voices that are clouding my ability to, to discern the voice of God. And I'm focusing on God and to hear his voice. Four, behold you fast for strife and debate. To smite with the fist of wickedness. You shall not fast as you do this day. To make your voice heard on high. What? The Lord said. You're fasting for strife and debate. And to smite with the fist of wickedness. You know what they were doing? They were fasting trying to force God. To hurt their enemies or the people they had a problem with. So he says. You're not going to fast like you do today. To make your voice to be heard on high. Their purpose of fasting was to gain some kind of advantage over others and attempting to obligate God to do their bidding. They wanted to void their voice to be heard by God, but their own, but for their own agenda and not for his will and purpose. He said, is this, is it such a fast that I've chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bull rush to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day of the Lord? Boy, does that mess up some theology right there, doesn't it? The act of fasting in no way impresses or obligates God. It does not do it. He doesn't feel sorry for us. He, He doesn't feel sorry for us. He doesn't feel sorry for us. And he's not impressed. We're not fasting for him. When the motive is to force his hand because of what we have done for him, he rejects the whole thing. The whole thing. When our motive for it is wrong, he rejects the whole thing that we do. Rather than gaining an advantage with the Lord by fasting with this motive and attitude, we actually put ourselves in a very negative light with him. He says, is not this the fast that I've chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness? To undo the heavy burdens? To let the oppressed go free. That you break every yoke. Carefully note God's desired and acceptable motive for our fastings. The fasting was for the purpose. Of seeing the bands of wickedness loose from ourselves and others. To see them free. To fast to see the word of God come to us. So that we can speak and pray. And, un- and heavy burdens be undone. So that we can be sensitive to God, walk in his spirit, so the oppressed can be set free. And that every yoke could be broken off those who are bound. Carefully note God's desire and acceptable motive for our fasting, especially in the light of the subject matter of this lesson series. The Lord's acceptable motive for our fasting is to set the captive free from everything that is binding and hindering him. That fast the Lord both honors and responds to. Previously in this section, we noted Jesus' instruction to his disciples about their failure to cast the demons out of the Father's Son that was brought to them. He said, these come out by prayer and fasting. This is God's chosen fast. Jesus talked about a fast. that was for the purpose of being able to hear the voice of God and speak the word of God without doubt, without wavering, so that child could be set free. In other words... We are to fast to give, not fast to get for ourselves. We are to fast to be conduits. We are not to fast to be better containers. Verse seven: Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? And when thou seest the naked, thou cover him, and thou that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh, and that thou hide not thyself. From thine own flesh. Oh God have mercy. When we fast. And we never look at ourselves. We never look at ourselves. Oh we want to be so involved with hungering. And what we're doing without. And wondering if God's paying attention. That we never stop long enough to look at ourselves. And while all these other things are wonderful motives. This last one is the key for all of them to come to pass. I get out the mirror of the word of God. And while I'm fasting and focusing on the Lord's deliverance of me from me, I look at myself in the mirror of the word. And I don't hide from what I see there. The first three exhortations of this verse are encouragements to minister to the needs of others. But then the Lord concludes His corrective instructions on fasting, with the revelation of the whole point of His negative statements: "That thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh." Tragically, for both us and those that are called to re- that we are called to reach, so much of our spiritual activities are only for the purpose of blinding ourselves from the tr- from truly seeing ourselves. If our fasting only becomes a But another part of our self-deception. We'd be better off never fasting another day the rest of our lives. This self-deception of the hearers of the word who are not doers of the word. This is the spirit of religion. This is the spirit of tradition. This obligating God. This is the purpose and goal of religion. This is the false and deceptive hope given to the adherents of religion. You do these things, these good works, and God's going to be obligated. The Lord is implying that if my motives and goals for my fastings were the ones with which he is interested and approved of, that our fastings would have resulted in us being personally changed and more ac- accurately and acutely aligned with his purposes and his plans, dying out to ourself, our flesh, our will. More in tune with him, his spirit, his purpose, his plans, his kingdom, belonging to him and no longer ourselves. And through us, he will set the captives free. Verse 8. Then shall thy light. Then, then shall thy light. What a promise. What a promise. If we do what we're supposed to do with the right attitude and motives that the Lord endorses and recognizes. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning. And thy help shall spring forth speedily and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. This verse introduces the change of direction in God's exhortation by commencing the itemization of the promises of God to those who fast with the motives that please him. Listen to them. Then shalt thou call. You do do the fast that I've called you to do. With the motives that I've called you to do it for. Do it like I'm saying to do it. Look at yourself. Let me work in you. Let me change you. And and, and then your light's going to bring forth. Then here are the promises. This is what I'm going to do. When you please me. And you're not trying to earn something from me. You want to walk with me. Here it is. Then shalt thou call and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry and he shall say, Here I am, if thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger and speaking vanity. Here it is. This is repentance. Three things to repent of. The yoke we put on other people. The pointing of the finger of accusation. And self-boasting. Fasting is supposed to let me see those things in my life so that I repent of them. Here's the promise of uh, of two communications Between the Lord and us. But again. That commitment to us. By the Lord is conditional. The last of this verse. And the first portion of the next. Reemphasize. The Lord's expectations. The attitudes and motives for the rest. For those of us who fast. And if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light arise in obscurity and thy darkness shall be at noonday. Since the Lord will be glorified in and through us by our giving ourselves through him to the captives, the lost, then the Lord will glorify us in him. Verse 11. And the Lord shall guide thee continually shall satisfy thy soul in drought, make thy bones fat. Thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. Note this carefully, please. One of the main reasons for the inclusion of this text is this section. One of the main benefits of fasting with the Lord's motives, and not our carnal religious ones, is that the Lord shall guide thee continually when we pray and fast in the manner with the motives that please the Lord, we are conditioned by him to be able to receive and be faithful to his guidance, and it, which is hearing his voice, acknowledging it as his voice, embracing it, receiving it, believing it, and then speaking it and obeying it. And he promised that he would do this continually. I guess real fasting really works, doesn't it? Real fasting. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach. The restorer of paths to dwell in. Oh, Jesus. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. Jesus. Those that walk with God in this manner and with his motives or motives that please him will be the ones that are mightily used of God. Not because of how long they fast. In fact, when you fast in a manner that's pleasing to God, very few people will ever know that you're fasting. And you will rarely ever tell people voluntarily that you're fasting or how much time you're fasting. Because the goal isn't for people to know that you're fasting. The goal is to become what God wants you to be so you can be mightily used. I want to be in that place where the Lord will use us to raise up the foundations of many generations. To be used to raise up the foundations of many generations. I'm 73. I'm not anywhere near close to it being my time to get out of here. But I don't want to sit around and just wait for that day. Lord Jesus, in your name, somehow, use me and everyone who's listening to this to use our time wisely so that we're not only seeing ourselves saved, so that we are being used of you to establish the foundation of many generations. And whether it's natural generations or the multiplied, advanced, rapidly expanding Quickly established spiritual generations that are going to happen between now and the coming of the Lord as he fulfills his promises to Abraham before the rapture. I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. They shall be called the repairer of the breach. The restorer to paths to dwell in. All of this is given not based on the act of fasting, but on being a conduit of the Lord's motives and burdens, the Lord's will and his purposes, because flesh got out of the way. Because the reward, the blessing, is not how long you fast, what you didn't do and what you gave up, and how many knows about what you did. The reward. It's been a more neutral conduit that God can trust to do anything he wants to through and have have absolute confidence that that conduit will not attempt to take his glory. Dear one, there is absolutely nothing that God will withhold to do through a child of God that he can have absolute certainty that that child of God as his conduit will never attempt to take his glory. I desire to be there. I, I can't tell you I'm there 100%. But I desire to be there. I want to be a conduit that he can trust that will never try to take his glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. May the grace of God come upon us and empower us to hear his voice, to obey his voice. And when he leads us into these places of dedication and consecration, not for denial of food, but denial of self, and denial of the voices that are clouding our ability to hear the voice of God, that the grace of God, in Jesus' name, work those things in our lives. Amen.